I want to talk to you a few minutes today about power. Power in the process. Power in the process. Now, we think about our lives most of the time in the area of events. We measure our time or our, our lives in, in events, things that happen that we can look back to, major milestones that we can measure our successes and our failures by, by events, something that happens in a moment of time, things that we're proud of or things that wish we could go back and have a do-over, that if we could, we'd change something because we wouldn't want to go through that again. And, and we measure our life in the, in the area or in the realm of events, meaning that we don't normally focus on the process of time between the events. Someone came to you and said, tell me your life. This is probably what you would say. You would say something like, I was born December 23rd, 1958, if you were me. I, you graduated from high school. You, that You went to college and you graduated from college that you got married, that you got a job, that you had children, you had more children, they graduated from high school, they went to college and graduated, they got married, they're going to have children, and et cetera, and et cetera. And so what you see there is you see a lifespan measured in events, measured in things with, with a beginning and an ending time. An event is a moment in time. So to give a better definition, let's just say that, that an event is a single point in time. It has a beginning and an end. And that's something that we measure our life in. And let's look at the process. The process of life is the time between the events. If you would throw, throw up that slide, I have one, uh, an example. Now, you've seen this before. I, I put this up a while ago. But, I, but what I want to talk to you about about this slide is that you can see those events. You see high school, you see college, you see first job, you see wedding, job promotion, children, college and weddings, all the different events in life. But if I really drew this to scale, you would notice that the event explosion, that little yellow explosion button, is very, very small compared to the line that ties one event to the next event. That line that draws those two together is called the process of life. It's the process. That's what I want to talk about today. It's not the events. The events are important. Yes, they are. But they're not as important as the process. The time between the events, because if you were to... If you were to consolidate all the time there, you would see the time of the events really is very small compared to the amount of time in the process. The living between the events takes more time than the actual event itself. So that's where we want to talk about, because my premise here is that God is more concerned about the process of life than about the events of life. God is more concerned about my process than about my event. And he's more concerned about your process than he is about your events as well. That doesn't mean that events aren't important, because they are. We live on a day-to-day -day basis, and we make plans. We, and that's good. It's good to make plans. There's nothing wrong with making plans to the best of our ability. We want to plan our time between 
uh, high school and college. We want to make a plan to go to college. We want to make a plan for a job. We want to make a plan for a family. Uh, It's absolutely fine. But understand that in the twinkling of an eye, that plan can be dashed. That plan can go away with a car accident, with a death in the family, with a severe health incident, with a child that's not healthy at birth. Whatever, all the plans that you have are under God's control, not yours. Look with me in James chapter 4, verse 13 and 15. James says, Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you, don't even not, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. As Allie had said, What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Allie was very perceptive today because she understands that personal revelation that she had last night. She understands that she does not know what God knows. God knows what's going to happen in 20 minutes. He's going to he he knows when the sermon's going to be over. You don't. I'm not even sure when it's going to be over. But I'll do my best to get it over in a timely fashion. But having that personal revelation is the key to living a life of process. And we're going to talk more about that. God really is in control. Remember that the events are temporary. The events are temporal. They have a beginning and an ending point. You have a baby. The baby comes when the labor starts and ends when you go home from the hospital. That's the event of having the baby. College graduation, it comes when you walk and put your gown on and walk down the aisle for graduation, and it ends when you get your diploma. That's the event. A wedding, it it begins when the bride walks down and it ends when he says you're married. That's the event. But life, of marriage is not in the wedding. Is it, Tim? You doing all right? How, how, tight did, how tightly did we tie the knot? You guys hanging in there okay? All right, good. good. A little marriage counseling here in front of everybody. How's that? See, but that's what life is. Life is not just the wedding ceremony. The process of being married is really what Christ is concerned about. You know why? Because events are temporary. Events are in this world. Process is eternal. Process, if you go back to that slide, you will notice that the the lines stop at at the explosion points. But look at the very last one, after grandkids. The line, the process, that line is is considered the process. That process goes forever and ever and ever. That's what God's concerned about. That's what he's concerned about in your life is what goes on forever. He's not concerned necessarily about that event, even though he wants good events to happen. And we're going to talk about that because what happens in the process typically determines a lot about what happens in the events. But many times we focus on the events so much that we lose the impact of the process. And that's what God is concerned about. That's why there's power in the process. So what I want to focus on this morning is understanding that even though we most of the time concentrate on events, God is more concerned and focused on the process of our lives that lead up to the events. 
That doesn't mean that God isn't concerned about the events, because He is. God is a God of process. We spend most of our time living in the process, between the events. That's where God wants us to be. Church is an event. We come on Sunday mornings. We come in, we have some really, really good praise and worship. We have some, the Lord meet us here. But I go out of the doors and it begins the process of living. Because now Monday comes and Tuesday comes and the job comes and the pressure of life comes. That's the process. And that's what God wants you to have. He wants to know that he's in the process. He hasn't left you in the event. He's not here waiting for you to come back next Sunday. He's walking with you in the process of living if you will invite him. But you have to invite him into your process because he's not rude and he's not going to come in if you don't invite him. God is a God of process. He is an eternal God. Let me establish that fact for you that God is eternal. Revelation chapter 1 verse 8. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 10 through 12. He also says, In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe. Like a garment, they will be changed, but you remain the same and your years will never end. Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We have established that God never changes. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We will change. Our, our events will all be rolled up like a robe. But Jesus never changes. Now, why is that important? That's important because I want to read to you. I want to prove to you that God is a God of process. And he's a, pro, he, and he's a God concerned with the details of life. Do you ever feel like you're all alone? Do you ever feel like God has abandoned you? That he is really, really not concerned about what's going on in your day-to-day life? I know you do because I feel that way sometimes. And so we're common. There's nothing that happens to me that doesn't happen to you. There are times when I feel like God doesn't care about me. He doesn't care about my details. But let me prove to you that God is a God of process. God is a God of details. We've just proven to you that God never changes, right? Let's go to the Old Testament. I want to show you how God is a God of process. I want to read. We're going to read a long passage right now, but I want you to just absorb. Don't worry about the details of really what it's, it's about a sacrifice. Let me tell you what it's about. It's about the sacrifice of a leper. A leper has been healed. The leprosy disease at that time, if you were a leper in the Old Testament, you were cast out. If you had God heal you, if you were fortunate enough to, to, to have that skin disease healed, there was a process of being brought back into public that you had to go through, even though you were already healed. You had to go through a process to come back into the public. So I want to tell you about the God of process. Leviticus chapter 14, verses 1 through 20. This is out of the English Standard Version. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, 
This shall be the law of the leprous, leprous person for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall go out of the camp, and the priest shall look. Then, if the case of leprous disease is healed in the leprous person, the priest shall command them to take for him who is to be cleansed two live clean birds and cedar wood and scarlet yarn and hyssop. And the priest shall command them to kill one of the birds in an earthenware vessel over fresh water. He shall take the live bird with the cedar wood and the scarlet yarn and the hyssop and dip them and the live bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the fresh water. And he shall sprinkle it on, he will sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed of the leprous disease. Then he shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird go into the open field. And he who is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes, shave off all his hair and bathe himself in water, and he shall be clean. And after that, he may come into the camp. He's still not done, though. But live outside his tent seven days. And on the seventh day, he shall shave off all his hair from his head, his beard, and his eyebrows. He shall shave off all his hair, and then he shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water, and he shall be clean. It's not over yet. Hang on. We're just getting to the good stuff. And on the eighth day... He shall take two male lambs without blemish and one ewe lamb a year old without blemish and a grain offering of three-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil and one log of oil. And the priest who cleanses him shall set the man who is to be cleansed and these things before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And the priest shall take one of the male lambs and offer it for a guilt offering along with the log of oil and wave them for a wave offering before the Lord. And he shall kill the lamb in the place where they kill the sin offering and the burnt offering in the place of the sanctuary. For the guilt offering, like the sin offering, belongs to the priest. It is most holy. The priest shall take some of the blood of the guilt offering, and the priest shall put it on the lobe of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, and on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. Then the priest shall take some of the log of oil and pour it onto the palm of his own left hand and dip his right finger in the oil that is in his left hand and sprinkle some oil with his finger seven times before the Lord. And some of the oil that remains in his hand, the priest shall put on the lobe of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed and on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot on top of the hand, he shall put on the head of him who is to be cleansed. You got it? I lost my spot. I got to read it all over again. And the rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand, he shall put on the head of him. Then the priest shall make an atonement for him before the Lord. The priest shall offer the sin offering to make atonement for him who is to be cleansed from his uncleanliness. And afterward he shall kill the burnt offering. And the priest shall offer the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar. Thus the priest shall make atonement for him, and he shall be clean. Do you think God is a God of process? Do you think God is concerned about details? Why would he have to do all that? The thing is, he was the leprous person was already healed before he even started. You don't think God's concerned about your process? I, we already established the fact that God doesn't change. The Old Testament is just as much the Bible as the New Testament. Here's the point, though, for us that live in the New Testament, is that it hasn't been abolished, it's been fulfilled. Jesus fulfilled the law of the Old Testament. Therefore, we do not have to go through the sacrifices of the Old Testament because Jesus became the perfect sacrifice. 
He became the perfect lamb without blemish that died on the cross for our sin. So therefore, I don't have to go through all of that anymore. But let me tell you, God is still concerned about the process. He's still concerned about your process, even though, and thank goodness we don't have to do those sacrifices. Thank goodness we don't have to do that. I think that was the first game of Twister. This gives me a lot of peace in my life. Even though I can see I can get wrapped up in the details of that, it gives me peace to know that God is concerned about me. He's concerned about my problems. He's concerned about my issues. If he's concerned whether the priest put the blood on the right earlobe or the left earlobe, he's concerned about my financial problems. If he's concerned that he put it on the big toe of the right foot or the, or the left foot, he's concerned about my emotional problems. He's concerned about my kids. He's concerned about everything that I have in my life that I'm concerned over. He's concerned about my grandkids, even though I don't have any yet. He's concerned about them. He's already putting a plan together to have them. He's concerned about my kids' spouses. He's concerned about Jenna's husband. (laughs) But that's why we have to live pure lives. That's why we have to be concerned about it because, see, his parents are concerned about Jenna. That's why we need to leave, live pure lives right now because I want, to be, I want my daughter to be pure for him and I want him to be pure for her. And that's why we have to live our lives in purity and holiness because it makes a difference. Because God is a God of process. The events are there. The events are important. But they're going to roll up like that robe that we talked about. They're going to roll up. But the process goes forever and ever. Let me give an example of how a process doesn't work real well if I don't take care of things. All right, I I, I go to the club three to five times a week. All right, maybe two to three times. Um, I try to get there more, but I I try to work out in the mornings because that's typically the only time I can. And I go there because I want to lose a little weight. And if my wife was here, she'd be saying a big amen, but she's not. She's down in Grand Rapids doing some things with Aubrey today. But anyway, so I go to the club and I work out, and my workout becomes my event. I do it three, four, five times a week. That event, and it lasts typically 45 to 60 minutes. And I get on a treadmill or on an elliptical machine, and I work 30 minutes. I lift some weights. That's why I have this great physique that I have. Why are you laughing? That wasn't a joke. But anyway, so I, um, I, I do that. And then I have that 45-minute or 60-minute workout, and that's the event. Now, the process between the events are very, is very important because if I then go to the flap after my workout and if I eat two eggs and uh, three pancakes and a bunch of junk food and then I eat more junk at lunch, I basically have pretty much negated the process of the event. Right? Okay, I come to church. I get filled up in church this morning. I have a great time with God this morning, and I, and I just fill my life up with God. That's the event of my workout. But now tomorrow morning comes, and I go back to my old self. I go back to my old habits. I go back to my old friends I hang out with. I go back, and I, and I go back, and I don't protect the effort I put into the event of the workout. 
I waste all my calories that I just burned off because I put them right back on. You do the same thing in your spiritual life when you walk out of this building today and then live in the, in the pit that you were in that you came out of. See, Jesus says, come as you are, but don't leave as you came. And don't go back into the world that you were living in. That's like a dog returning to, returning to its vomit. That's gross. Think about a dog that throws up and then he eats it. That's gross. But that's what we do when we come in here and we get cleaned up. We go back into the world and then live with the world that we were living in before. That's what Jesus said. That's like a dog eating its vomit. So it makes a difference. Our process makes a difference. Don't waste the event by blowing it on the process. But let the process be the process. The significance of the events determined through the process is the revelation that we, we receive in the process. Let me, let me give you a quick example. When I was going to college, I had a lot of lab, uh, laboratory exercises in engineering. Well, I was an electrical engineer, and we'd have a lot of lab, laboratory ex- uh, 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 sessions, or either in chemistry or in electrical stuff. The instructor said, um, when you turn in your work, show your work. When you turn in your paper, I just don't want the answer. You have to show me your work. I want to know that you went through the process. Just don't tell me the answer. If you, if you just turn in the answer, I'm not giving you any credit because I don't know that you understand the process. I don't know that you didn't look on your, on your lab partner's paper and just write down his answer. That's called cheating. Cheating is not good, guys, girls. Cheating is not good because you're the one that loses when you cheat. Whether it's cheating on your ACT or cheating in life, it's not worth it. You're the one that loses. So anyway, so you had to go through the lab exercises and had to go through all the paperwork and to show all your work, all the detail of the lab, and turn it in. And, you know, even if you didn't get the right answer, a lot of times you still gave you credit because you tried. Now, it's really nice to come up with the right answer. But if you didn't have the right answer, he would work with you. He then knew that you didn't understand something. And then he could come back as a good instructor would do and work with you to tell you about the process. What did you miss? Well, you missed this here. You, you didn't calculate this part here right because the answer's not right. So if he just gave you the, if he just gave a wrong answer, he would have no idea where to help you in the process. But because you had to show your work, he had a way then to go back and complete your education. That's what God is. God is a teacher. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. And he's concerned about the process of my life. He just doesn't want my answers. I can talk a big game. I can talk a big story. And so can you. But he wants to know your process. I know that God answers prayer. I know that God answers prayer. I know that God heals people. But why doesn't he heal everyone instantaneously? Can he? Can, can, can God heal instantaneously? Yeah. Has anybody here been healed instantaneously? Yes. But more times than not, God heals through the process. Let me give you an example. And I've already asked her if I could use this example, so I'm not embarrassing her. But Amber, as you know, has been struggling with anorexia. And last week, Sunday, she gave a testimony of 
how she and Jesus conquered anorexia. Now, we've prayed for Amber many, many weeks. Her mom and dad have been praying for her diligently. Her grandma and grandpa have been praying. We've prayed here many weeks, and she wasn't healed. Why? Because God wanted the process to happen in in Amber's life. God wanted that revelation to be in Amber's life. The process of the healing is more important than the event. I would rather live a man with a problem, kind of like Paul did with a thorn in the flesh, that never got over it, but was constantly working in the process, than, having, than, than being healed and be perfectly well and lose my process. Wouldn't you? So by the fact that Amber had to write this letter through the power of the Holy Spirit, enabled Amber to write this letter to the spirit of anorexia. She wrote the letter and it became her personal revelation. Not her mom and dad's, not her grandpa's and grandma's, but Amber's. Why is that important? It's important because Amber is going to continue living. She's going to have other issues down the road. She's going to have other opportunities. She's going to have other problems that are going to come her way. And then when she enters into those problems and those areas, and she'll know that I, through the power of Jesus and the blood of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, can conquer any problem because I've had a personal revelation of the power of God. It's not her dad's faith. It's not her mom's faith. It's Amber's faith. It's Amber's faith. It's not anybody else's. And when it becomes my revelation, oh, when it becomes my personal revelation that, I mean, that it's meaningful to me, and I can stand on God's Word no matter what happens to me, because I know that God is in my life, in my situation, not in my dad's. I'm not riding any coattails anymore. God has no grandchildren. You and I have to be direct heirs of Jesus. Direct heirs, that means we are in the blood of Christ. We are in the family of Christ. We are engrafted into the body of Christ through our personal revelation, through the process of living. And then we come up with the good answers because then we're going to have the biggest event of our life when Jesus says, well done, thou good and faithful. Well done. You did a good job. You did all that you could do with what I gave you. You were a good steward of the things I gave you. Well done. That's the event we all want to happen. Jackie, if you'd come. Hallelujah. Where are you in the process? Where are you in the event, process, timeline of your life? Just close your eyes where you're at. I know we've had a great outpouring this morning of the Holy Spirit. I know that. But He's still calling us. He's still drawing us. We cannot rest on that event here that we had a few minutes ago at the altar. We have to grab that event. We have to bring it into our process of living. And we have to say, Father, do not let me leave this place alone. Do not let me leave this place without bringing that process of the Holy Spirit with me. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. You know what's 
so often done is we have big emotional outbursts like this. And we forget it. And we go on. I'm praying. I want to pray with you. I'm not going to bring anybody to the front anymore. We've already done that. But what I want to pray with as we leave this afternoon is that that experience that we've had is ingrained in you. It becomes part of you. It's like we talked about this morning with the Sunday school class a little bit this morning. Um, I don't want anybody to be worried about my ethnic discussion here. But I I used to work out at a club down in Detroit, and there was a a guy that was a... He liked Greek food. And he would eat a lot of garlic in his diet. And then he would get on the elliptical machine next to me and start working out, and he'd start sweating. And, oh, he would stink. Garlic would just come out of his pores, and it was terrible. And I would talk to him, and I'd say, man, take a shower. He said, I can't help it. I eat garlic. That's the way it is with the Holy Spirit. We need to get God so much into our life that the process that when, we, when stress comes into our life and, and, and problems, that we, we exude Jesus. That Jesus comes out of our pores. Not anger. Not bad words. Not impatience. But the fruit of the Spirit comes out of our life because we've got Jesus so much in us that the Holy Spirit is so powerful in our lives. Oh, God, help us. That's the power we need to have. That's what we have to take out of this place today, that He's inside of you, not just in your head. He's in your heart. And when you walk out of this place today, you bring Him with you. He's in your car. He's in your place of work. He's in your school, kids. The circle of influence that you are in in your high schools are amazing. You let Jesus come through your influence in high school, and this church cannot contain the youth group that we're going to have. I believe that. This church is going to, going to, we're not going to be able to contain the people that are going to come into this church if we live it out in our jobs. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, Lord, we just worship you this morning. Lord, we thank you for your ministering to us. We thank you for the power in the process. Lord, let us just let that sink into our spirits and in our minds. Lord, that we would walk out of this place today knowing that you are in the process of our life and you're concerned about every detail of my life. There is not one thing that goes by that you don't see. There's not one thing that goes by that you're not concerned of. And Lord, as Allie reminded us and gave us a clear word, we have to learn to trust you for the process. That word that you gave her last night was for this moment, was for here and now, because what she said is so true. Because as we learn to trust you, we are then giving you the authority to work in our process so that we can have the events of life that are meaningful to us. So, Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would just dwell within us today. As we go to our homes today, as we go have dinner today, as we go do our life, Lord, let the process be the process that you're pleased with. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.